Hello, Rachel. How you doing? Oh, wow. I'm doing fantastic. How about you, Rachel? How are you doing? I'm feeling more, oh, no. Oh, no. Why? We're here to discuss Star Trek Discovery. And I hear the discovery in your voice. I hear it. The wow, the awe, the wonder of it all. We are here to talk about Star Trek Discovery from a rewatch perspective. We from are a yum-, yum yum point of view. Well, is that our new thing? We have yum yum energy. Now we have YYP yum yum. Oh, wait, YYPOV yum yum point of view. That's how we do it here. But uh, we are yum yum podcast because of that amazing line of dialogue from Star Trek Discovery. You all know it if you're here. You know that line. It was great. We all loved it. We all clapped and cried and laughed. Oh, the laughter. The laughter. I mean, it was so funny. I can't laugh now, though, uh, because I'm laughed out. But uh, we need somebody to help laugh with us as we talk about Star Trek Discovery. Somebody who's nothing but a barrel of joy. Somebody who's so thrilled and pleased to be here. We're joined by Steve. Hello. I am. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. This is my uh, first time not talking about Babylon 5. I get to talk about my true love, the Star Trek franchise, which, uh, you know, true love sometimes hurts. So here we are. (laughs) As an Enterprise fan, you know that feeling all too well. So I don't know uh, what you're talking about. Steve, tell us a bit about yourself and your podcast, what you do. Uh, yeah, thanks. I am one of the co-hosts of the Last Best Babylon 5 podcast. We're watching through uh, all of Babylon 5. It is my first time. It's my friend Sean's first time. But Ben, who's the other host, he has seen it all before. So he is uh, our kind of resident expert. He gets to kind of uh, say I told you so every couple episodes, essentially. Um, and yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. I am very, like I said, I'm very new to Babylon 5, but I've been watching sci-fi TV forever and uh, started with t- uh, TNG reruns on um, on TNT. Uh, so here we are uh, watching Discovery, uh, which is, I was so excited when there was a new Star Trek uh, announced. Yeah. And here we are. Still excited, Season right? Four. <laughs> so... Uh, the Strange New Worlds, I'm I'm having a great time with. So well, Picard, right? You love that show. Uh, yeah, Lower Decks is a lot of fun. I yeah, really Prodigy. Yeah, Prodigy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I um, I don't know if I, this is getting too off course, but I've I've actually had a small uh, part in the Prodigy universe. Um, I wrote a script for like a like a kids play place that was. Um, a, the official Star Trek prodigy, like play place for these kids. So like, oh. um, I got to like, they were like, we need a, a a quiz show. We need to do trivia. We need like activities. Can you like Star Trek something up? And like, it, so 
If you were in Brooklyn, New York, and took your children to the Star Trek Prodigy experience, uh, I wrote the script for that. So, so we have an official of... Star Trek writer. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you can answer a lot of questions. Yes. You answer, you know what? You're going to be able to answer a lot of questions we ask on this podcast. So, thank yeah, you I mean, so much for coming yeah, on. We have an official Star Trek writer. You know, I got the I got the check signed by. Uh, Nickelodeon, so yes, I'm official. With a kiss mark from Alex Kurtzman. <laughs> With a kiss mark from Alex Kurtzman and Alex Mack. A, a poisonous kiss. But you're a fan of Star Trek, as we are. I mean, yes. similar deal. We all, like a lot of us, saw Star Trek on those reruns or certain certain series we may have seen in real time. I remember I saw some of that very tail end of Voyager. I was young and Enterprise was too late at night for me because Enterprise was the more quote unquote adult Star Trek because it was horny. That's why. That's why yeah, they put it you on had late. some you had a lot of rub downs in that. Oh one, you so. had you had so many gel scenes. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious, like you 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 kind of skirting around a bit Star Trek Discovery, what's your relationship with this series? What's your what's your history with this this brand of star trek i mean i've seen every single episode i i can't help myself i i love star trek so much like i i have seen everything good and bad and um i guess my relationship is i i i went in open-minded uh i i understand like at the time when it was premiering i i had heard so much about the backstage drama people coming in dropping out um uh what's his name the hannibal guy uh brian fuller, fuller. Yeah, Fuller was involved, and I was really excited. Nicholas Meyer was involved. I was super excited. Yeah, Brian I Fuller worked all... on Voyager, even so, and yeah, and some yeah. Deep Space Nine. So you know, and he's he's fantastic. And when he fell out, it was like, oh, this seems maybe like they're not uh, in a great spot. Um, didn't like the first season that much. Uh, didn't like the second season that much. I I had some fun in the third season, but the fourth season, um, I guess because it kind of hit a high, uh, I. I really felt like I was doing homework and doing chores when I was watching through season four of Disco. Uh, but I do, here's what I'll say. I love the cast. Um, I, I think it's finally uh, getting, what's his name? Doug Jones in Star Trek is like the smartest idea anyone's ever had. Um, and I really want to like it. Like my heart's open for you, Disco. Like it's there. So uh, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. You're in a nutshell. Help, help. I'm trapped in a nutshell. How did I get big <laughs> in this big nutshell? If only they had Mike Myers on. If only Star Trek I Discovery. watched Austin Powers instead. Yeah, that would have been. Could Mike Myers be in Star Trek Discovery? What would he play? What would sure. he be? Oh, he, uh, he would have to play like a Talaxian. That's what he would play. He would have to play a, Neelix, a Neelix race. That'd be fun. Let me ask you a question and be honest. Oh! Do I make you horny? Randy? Do I make you horny, baby? Yeah, do I? We are here to talk about All In, which is episode 8 of season 4. That's right, we've made a, a progress in season 4. We've, we've, we've barreled through this, and uh, boy does it feel like uh, we've, we've been making that uh, traction happen. So, according to IMDb, this is a 5.5 out of 10 episode, and the synopsis as, is as such... Following a hunch, Captain Burnham tracks Book to an old haunt from their courier days and gets drawn in to a high-stakes competition for a powerful weapon. And I want to do something a little different. I don't do this ever. I want to just pitch 
two synop two 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 ideas here straight up. Yeah. So you could have this idea, and it will be Malcolm Reed and Trip must go down hey, to an Orion crime syndicate to find some plans for the Zindi weapon. Little do they know right. they have to play a high stakes game. You know, you can imagine that plot. Yeah. I've already written it. Uh-huh. You know those characters well enough where you can believe that would be... You already know the dynamic of it. You know that Trip would be down for it. Reed would be a little bit snooty, but then he would also have fun. And he would want to do the fight. You know, you can imagine it. And then the other one is... And this is... I, I was thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking if Strange New Worlds did this episode, it would be one of their best episodes where you have, say, number one and... uh uh. uh uh, Leon go down to oh, a planet. Yeah, that'd be fun. They have to do this. Number one plays the poker. Leon has to try and do her security stuff and do the fight, and they get a plan. Meanwhile, on the Enterprise, Cyborg plays a game of chess against Spock. You know, like, that's this. You already know. Like, Rachel and I, we're already smiling at this idea because you know how much fun it would be. Well, when Discovery gives it, this is already me getting to the history of it. It's not as fun, but I will say, uh,. This is my, this, in my recollection, and I chose you, Steve, for this because of mainly this reason. This was, to me, the best episode of season four when I first watched oh, it through. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's I so nice. I thought it was the most fun. It was stupid. It was dumb. But it was the remini- least offensive. It was reminiscent to dumb Star Trek that I like, such as, uh, that episode in TNG, the the Royale, where Worf oh, and that's Data, a, yeah, that's and, an all-timer. Yeah. And Riker, they go inside of that book and they have to play out. And, and Data's playing, you know, uh, 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 he's playing roulette and poker and everything. And that's like dumb fun. You wouldn't say that's a a great Star Trek episode, like not a heady one, but it's fun. It's stupid. It's silly. And Voyager's filled with these type of episodes as well. Like, what if Seven of Nine had to fight the Rock in a wrestling arena? Like, that's an episode. So yeah. it's dumb. Jeffrey Combs in that one as well. Yeah, yeah Jeffrey Combs. And uh, you could also have, if you want a DS9 version of this plot, you have Judzia Dax and Quark must team up together to go on up and on you go. Like, there are many of these type of Cilio episodes in Star Trek. So I was actually quite on board for this. So in my in my hazy memory of season four, because to me, season four is, as Steve said, such a chore and it is so dreary and lifeless that this minor spark of silliness is what remained for me. So I looked upon it fondly, whether I do still today, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. What about you, Rachel? What about you? What did, what's your journey with this one? I remembered the stupid moments from this episode. Because it serves up plenty of those. I forgot that the plot itself was so stupid. <laughs> and such a waste of time. Oh yeah, this is this is a real wheel, spin, wheel spinning episode in a yeah. serialized show. Yeah, it's buffing between like the start of the season and the mid season finale. Mm-hmm firmly in that territory on the first watch i remember not minding it so much until we got to the end and then they go back to the dma and they give this big revelation in like the last two seconds yeah yeah so much so when we were like planning the structure you were like oh you haven't got the dma thing and i'm like what dma thing you know, the thing yeah. that pushes the plot forward. I never remember. 
Yeah. Don't you remember that the other 50 minutes of the episode didn't contribute to that revelation at all? No, no. It's all about them getting the ingredient for the weapon. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And then at the end, they have this big reveal. No, no, Rachel. And the, Sorry, star, and rem- the star charts. And the star charts. They they spend like five minutes to make sure you know she's also they, here to get these these they charts. Check these maps. in on the star charts. The what the stilf or something? The stilf. Yeah. <laughs> stilf. Yeah. You know the stilf. They have all those charts we need. Well, the fed. Well, we don't know them because the federation hasn't had any interaction with them. But we all we know them deep down. Um. um but that was like. On my first view, I was like, oh, this is fine. And then I was like, oh, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Like, this was a fun episode, and now you've made it worse by trying to make it better. Yeah, you're, you're trying to remind us that, hey, guys, this isn't a time waste because this is a serialized show. So if we include one or two scenes that connect to the overarching season-long plot, then this isn't a waste of time. But just the fact that they spend so long trying to get the isolinium or (laughs) whatever the fuck. Unobtainium. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever the fuck they decide to call it this this week. Hey, Star Trek has said. That matters. It's a key ingredient to move the Tarka stuff forward. That was enough. But here's the thing, here's the thing, just to counter you. At the end of last episode, and Book even references it in this episode, we were led to believe that Tarka was 100% ready to go with the weapon. Yeah. So, fuck you. Like, so... this is the writers being like, no, no, guys, we've got to get it to however many episodes this season's got to go to. I had a similar <laughs> journey watching it again, because I forgot that the mining revelation comes. I was like, you know what? This is stupid, <laughs> but it's not fucking annoying. True. Um... Like, it's obnoxious, sure. <laughs> it's wildly stupid. Tonally bizarre. Tonally inconsistent, over-edited. Yeah. No. Yep. <laughs> with tone that's all over the place. Music. Music that is very demanding. Oh my gosh, the music! Yes, we'll, we'll get yes, to. Yes. I have seems a whole note about believe, the music. Seems to believe that I give a shit about these characters and book and Burnham's relationship because um, I'm meant to like be like Haz and being like ship them. Maybe maybe it'll still work out for you two oh, lovebirds. I shed a tear when he said that because I know how the season goes. Oh boohoo, Steve. Thoughts on this episode? What was your original experience watching this? And how did you feel when I said you're going to come on for this one? Well, I, to be honest, nothing has changed between my first watch through and this. I, all of my thoughts are, are very similar. Um, it is on paper so cool. Like there's a secret gambling den and you... I have a fighting ring in it and there's a card game and there's a card cheat and they got to sniff this out and people are like on each other's tail like this. Like it's so exciting in theory that these these plot lines are intertwined and it all comes down in like the CD, uh, the CD like sports bar. And that's awesome. I really like that. There's a reason uh, things- why people like Ocean's Eleven. 
yeah it like it this is to me like a classic like con man story which is one of my favorite things to watch where it's like people are trying to outsmart each other they've got you know bad luck comes in and they have to deal their best hand you know pun intended mm-hmm. and like at there's a changeling you know like a changeling like what are they doing a thousand years in the future like that's awesome Jack shit. Uh, but, <laughs> but it's like all the ingredients are there um but including fights which is one of my favorite things like i'd i'd love to see people knock the crap out of each other some of my favorite things to do uh so all of this is in the, the ingredient list and yet somehow this is so boring to me and i remember watching it through the first time and just being like i this has everything I like. Well, what's going on? Uh, so the same thing happened tonight where I was just like, oh, no. Yeah. This is just such such a dull episode. Uh, why am I bored when there's like a, a trying to win a high stakes game of poker story? Like, why am I bored? Because I, th- we don't is... know what the stakes are. Like, we know what the stakes are in the world of the show, but, like, you as a viewer, like, you're sitting there going, yeah, I get it, but they're being silly, but the music's being serious, so and I don't care. And they're playing a different version of poker. Because it's Oh, yeah, they're poker. playing space poker, yeah. Yeah, space it's poker, space Livonian yeah. or Livonian. Who knows? Lovecraftian, whatever. Yeah, because I... it's not just normal poker because that would be too much like TNG. Yeah. Oh, we don't want to be reminded of that at all. Yeah. So, um, look, I will say. That... Sorry, sorry, I can't say that because I don't think any of the writers have watched TNG. But they've watched Voyager. That... They fucking reference Voyager up the wazoo in this episode. Yeah, they I don't do. know why. Do. Like the element that uh, the DMA is sucking up is referenced in Voyager as an element that the Borg use for a super weapon. So it's like, oh, oh I know that. Right. Thank you, guys. I remember that. <laughs> Weird that you do, um, considering things you don't remember. But on my watch this time, I did have a drastically different experience because I I, I had impressions as my memory of this. Like, oh, generally, like, oh, I remember this thing was silly. I really liked our guest star. I thought the the guy who played mm-hmm. the the head of the you know uh, gambling establishment was great. I thought he was fun. I thought yeah, that was a yeah. fun character. I still think that he's giving a fun a fun performance, and I still think that it's a cool design. But uh, same, my, yeah, agreed. My my big holdback on this, what made it really intolerable to watch, is it takes so fucking long to get mm-hmm. to what we're here for, which is go down to the the thing, go into this con man gambling, people are like wheeling and dealing stuff. It takes so long because we have to spend the first 20 to 25 minutes going through the season-long plot. Oh, Admiral, can I go down? Mm-hmm. Oh, Michael, because of this, oh... Zora is helping analyze this for Paul. Like, we've got to go through the entire thing to the point where the cold open finishes at 11 minutes in. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, a nice surprise. Like, oh, the title sequence. Okay. (laughs) And that's what's really holding me back from enjoying this even, like, at all, because I I totally agree with Steve. It has all of these ingredients, but the thing is, they don't even start cooking the ingredients until it's far too late. 
It's far too late. Today we're taking a look at the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery titled All In, which doubles as a perfect description of my feelings about this episode. Can we talk about the yum yum moment? The moment in the episode that made uh, your jaw hit the floor or roll your eyes or something that was so bizarre, so out of left field, something that was just so wacky like yum yum for me. It's when Hugh Colber screamed at the dot. That was that, that, that was Back that, to your dog. That was that was insane. That was that was that was ludicrous. Yeah. But I do love <laughs> just continues cleaning. Yeah, that was a nice left. touch. It disobeys. Nice it disobeys orders. Because oh. are they still sentient from the end of last season? I don't know. No one knows. We, are, the, we don't the, talk about that anymore. They're controlled by Zora. The they, ship is alive. So uh, whatever. Rachel, don't worry about it. Was was that your yum yum moment too? God, I mean, there's plenty. This episode's pretty silly. Um, Awoshiku psychoanalyzing Taka is mine. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck? Why is this happening? It is pretty pretty nutty. And it's just like she's right immediately. And it's just like, why? This makes no sense to me. And then he like gives her stuff too, where he's like, Well, you don't know what I've been through. It's like you don't even know this person. Yeah. Don't you he's know like she's some a Luddite? Lieutenant commander. <laughs> And you're, like, the smartest man alive. Like, who cares about, like, no offense to uh, a Wushikun, but, like, why does he care about it? Yeah. Well, because like, she's touching upon his emotional sensitivities. My suffering is the worst in the universe. And and others. <laughs> no one's had it harder in the time of the burn than me. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, buddy. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. tell that to Bork whose planet got exterminated. But uh, but he lost his only friend. But he lost his only friend, so it's, it's real the sad. The weight of that loss. The weight of that loss. But Steve, what about you? Was there a yum-yum moment for you? Something that was just completely like, what was this for you? Yeah, there. Uh, in, this may be completely informed with some other TV shows I've been watching. I, I've been watching through this show called Carnival. And it's about a like a Dust Bowl carnival um, mm-hmm. with Clancy Brown. The, Clancy Brown's in it, and Toby Huss is this carnival barker, and he's like so good at it. And it made me really appreciate the kind of art of drawing people in and talking up an act and and what you need to kind of be essentially a, a, a barker. Uh, and then in this episode, turn of a dime, all of a sudden. Michael is this like amazing <laughs> barker. It's like step right up and see the amazing. Oh wow, a wushikun. And it's like what? Remember she grew up so on Vulcan. So she's a barker? <laughs> like remember she grew up on Vulcan? It totally lines up. Yeah. Yeah, it's like this it, it just like I get that it was a desperate situation, but like just the ease in which she and she's not good at it like you no, know the way sucks. that Toby Huss's character is, but it's like the confidence that she has that she is this great barker. I was like, what is this? Okay, uh, she knows this world because of that magical year away. The magical year where she was a courier that we never got to see and we will no, never get to know. And they and can they keep pulling. Get, they can keep pulling out of their just arse. Get to roll it they out keep, every no, time no, no, they in need all seriousness, it. In all seriousness, if Michael turned around and sprouted butterfly wings and flew in the air and said, "Oh, I got these. I got this surgery to give me wings while I was on this year away." The audience would have to accept it because we've had so many other ludicrous things. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, no. Course. To Steve's point, 
I know, her I know, braids I know. were done when she was getting the yeah, surgery. The surgery was, for butterfly wings. But it was, uh, a, it was a double up. It was a, what, what, it was I, a deal. It was what, a steal. What, I, I want to go to Steve's point. This is going to tie into what we're going to go to next, which is like the characters who should be here. And mm, mm-hmm, Michael mm-hmm. being the Barker, I'm thinking, well, who in our crew would be, be that character? And I don't know if this is a controversial take, but if Tilly was still around, Tilly would just do that. It doesn't matter if she's good at it, but like you can imagine uh, Tilly. And she would. You would imagine have Tilly would have joy. the. Yeah, you would imagine Tilly to do that because she is that uh, uh, rambunctious and she would just run at it. But Michael, you just go, okay, Michael, I guess you do this because the plot needs her to. Like, if Tilly was still here, I would buy her doing it far more than maybe anyone else yeah. in our crew because she just is, she was that kind of person. Even if it would be silly and cringy, you would go, yeah, that's something Tilly would do. Yeah, I can see that. It could also be a lot of fun if you're not good at it. Like, let's say Spock in Strange New World is like, Spock, you got to talk me up, all right? And he's like, Captain, I don't want to be a carnival barker. <laughs> it's like, don't do it. Like, that could have been funny if Michael was, like, bad at it. But, like, I don't know, maybe she finds out that she's good at it or she has fun or something. Yeah. But it's just, like, a it, little something moment. Something happened with it? Yeah, it's just nothing. But it's... It but just happens. You can't just do that. You can't just be like, a really great, uh, you know, corner man. It's like in Strange New Worlds when Hammer had to pretend to be a wizard. And it was kind of funny. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah. we're having a giggle because it was absurd. But he's like an arrogant, confident character. But also he's not good at what he's doing. But also kind of. And so it but was also amusing. He, he gets a robe and he's like, ha ha, cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. Why not? Yeah. I'm a wizard. He, he rolls with it. And that was a not that was like a character that was very minor in Strange New Worlds, yet I could tell you that was right for him to do. While Michael, who's our lead, I can tell mm-hmm. you her doing that is is one of those I agree eye rolling moments where I just went, Really? I guess I mean she's the only one here. Oh, so. she's perfect at everything. Oh, she's got to do it. So we go down to the the um, we go down to that casino planet from the Last Jedi to have a little bit of fun. The barge. Uh, the barge. Uh, okay, before we get to the inside, mm. I fucking hate it. I fucking hate it. This is completely irrational, but I really did hate the CG fest creature. <laughs> that they have to fly oh, sure. through yeah. to get to the barge. Oh. Rachel, how 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 else would they hide the barge? I heard we had Starfleet guests, so I just had to scurry like a spider cow to welcome them. Right hook. Starfleet captain. <laughs> right hook. <laughs> Tail for another time. And before we even kick off, Michael's flying down with Owo in a really, really bad looking shuttle shot. Like, it looked really rough. And uh, Owo asked the question that we all asked. Why Why did you bring me? (laughs) Why me? You can validate star charts yourself. You don't need me. Yeah, yeah. And we, the audience, were also thinking, why Owo? Uh, Steve, what do you think about this? What do you think about the way that Star Trek Discovery is trying to shepherd in and bring in the ensemble, mm-hmm. like these other characters that are the here. The bridge crew are characters as well, yeah. right? We had a whole season of Detma with PTSD because she hit her head real hard. And now we and have then she Owo. just had to fly really fast. <laughs> and her, fly real fast. Uh, 
she was cured. And now, and now so, we never talk about we, it again. Now we get Aurora's treatment it. where she wants to take back control. So they keep on sending her on away missions where she goes out of control. <gasps> no. <laughs> but what do you think, Steve, about how Discovery uh, handles its minor characters in case with this Owo? Well, I, I want to give them credit for trying. At, at this point, I, maybe they know, like, our bridge crew is kind of nothing. Uh, I think it's very frustrating uh, to watch a show like this and not have anything. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing about Trek. Like, you know what everyone's deal is right away, most of the time. Like, you you look at uh, Tuvok and you're like, I got it. I know what he's all about. Um I couldn't tell you anything about the bridge crew and except for, I recognize that face uh, like, Oh, this person has been in a lot of episodes. So I will say maybe they knew that they were kind of nothing. Uh, so I do appreciate that they're trying. Um, I just wish it worked better. Uh, I really, it just seems kind of shoehorned at this point. Um, and it's it's one of those things where it's one of my favorite things in long running shows is to pair people off that maybe haven't, been in scenes together and then like all right uh what if we have a george and elaine uh mm-hmm. plot in seinfeld that hasn't happened in four seasons let's see what happens um but yeah it just it like it just didn't work like it was all a big fat bowl of nothing for me yeah uh, at least they're trying is what i'll say like uh, but they need to commit is what i think is the problem when they try because oh well they've tried since season two and all they come up with is she's a luddite and she's highly emotional. And that's it. That's all you get. Like, season three, oh, Owo saves the day because she can hold her breath real long because she's a Luddite. Oh, right. She's a, yeah. And and <laughs> never forget, that. we could have had Com- Commander Nandi, the one crew member that doesn't breathe oxygen, to be the one that saved mm. the day there. But they already wrote her out of the show because they mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with her. It's like, oh, so right in, I guess Owo knows how to hold her breath. I guess Owo knows this. And... One of the things I think about often is I, I I understand where you come from, Steve, because I like I like having those little characters filled in. Like I love Babylon Five for that very reason. But you know what I also like? I like shows, say Babylon Five, Deep Space Nine, uh, Voyager, where they know where the line is, where they go. Look, this character is so small; they don't need any more time in the spotlight because we have other things that are more important, like Corwin. We don't care about Corwin, Neelix Cor- Yeah, yeah, Neelix. But Corwin in Babylon 5, he's been there since season one. They give him his little moments, but they don't take away from the things that you're actually here to see. You want to see Ivanova. You want to see Garibaldi. You want to see maybe, you know, this guest star come in. And they don't take the spotlight away too much because they know, these shows know, like, hey, Morn isn't actually a character. You know, like, he's an idea of a character, and it's funny that we keep doing that. And so we may have him appear, but, like, we're not going to take away from everything else because, well, we need to fill this in because the audience keeps pointing at them and saying, why aren't they a character anymore? Why why aren't they more of a character? Like, I appreciate that they have an an attempt, but, like, here's what I always say. TNG did this the best, where Miles O'Brien was just a guy. He was nothing. He was just a dude that would be there all the time. He he had no job. Like, he always kept changing jobs. <laughs> and then you get the first episode with the Cardassians, where they give Miles O'Brien a full episode to himself. He's the lead. He's a main character. And they give him a war story background. 
And you could argue if it wasn't for that singular episode, Miles O'Brien would never be the character we know today. He would never have gone on to Deep Space Nine. You know, you could argue that. And I don't even want to think about that one. And, uh, that that just breaks my heart. Those no. writers, <laughs> those people looked at this little character and said, hey, what happens, not only if we gave him something, but they had a specific thing in mind and they dedicated the time to it. Owo is in this episode. What do we get? She just, she wants the captain to believe that she can do it. And that's it. So not particularly nuanced or anything interesting. Yeah, and then she cold reads um, Tarka. Uh, I guess she also has that skill. Yeah, and so when she says, why me, the audience, you go, yeah, why you? You're you're a nothing character. Well, hopefully this episode will show us why you. And Rachel, did it? No. Steve? (laughs) No. No, it didn't. They're trying, but it didn't land. Oh, oh, wow, it didn't land. Yeah. Surprise! It's, it's just one of those things where Discovery will be like, Reese comes in and says, "says Thank you for letting me lead this mission, Michael. You see, when I was younger, my town had a flood. <laughs> and you're like, fuck off. And yeah. that's, you know, I love, modern shows are still very good at making your little characters memorable. Better Call Saul was very good at that. Better Call Saul had the vet character. I couldn't tell you that guy's name, but I love that character. Yeah. Oh, yeah, He'd appear maybe great. once or twice a season, and I love seeing him every single time. And so I don't need more time. It's just give a purpose to it. And here it was just, who can punch? It's oh. hard because, oh, and I think this is a great example. Like, if we're talking about characters, um, characters are more than just ideas, right? Like, you can say, oh, it's the stellar cartographer on the uh, Discovery, and she has this background, and she has these abilities. But, like, those are just, like, kind of words on a page. You need some hook you need an emotion and like this episode uh oh god it it haas is a good example i like haas he's a good mm-hmm. character he's he's this kind of affable guy who's fun kind of like what book says fun but then he can get mean uh but my favorite character in this entire episode was the like um what was her name it, it was this like she handed michael the winnings yes yes i noted end. her down too yeah. because she and she had one line and it was like she just clearly doesn't want to work there like that is <laughs> yes. her whole character and it's like that was so that was that made me jump up i'm like finally someone with a character yeah. on the show <laughs> and that's someone acting. with like I, I like someone i could like uh connect with because i i don't want this list of people who are great at everything like i just want a character like what's your deal like are you angry are you are you uh sarcastic are you like overly cheerful and tilly's a great example of that but uh, not not oh and and I, a lot of times not even michael so oh no 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 yeah. no my michael and other characters as well often just get lumped with being vehicles for themes mm-hmm. so they yes. don't no, get exactly, yeah. they don't get to be characters they don't get to have their hair down. So, Steve, thank you so much for bringing that person up because I had them in my notes. Because, really, this entire barge is filled with people like that. Like, Haas is a great character. I thought he was great. Uh, I like the running gag that he has all of these terms and colloquialisms and slang and points of reference that are alien. 
So I thought that was a nice oh, little I didn't, bit. Didn't take it that way because Taka says that there's something wrong with his translation net. I thought that was him being like, something must be wrong here because I don't understand anything I, this guy's fucking saying to me right now. Yeah, I took it as there's something wrong with the tech. No, I think it's the gag is how we will use, and we see our characters all the time in Star Trek, always refer to human things, and everyone has to take it on the chin, be like, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I, I took it as, like, Haas is doing that, but for alien stuff, which I think's a, a cute idea. And I, I thought really, it, I like your idea better. And, and I will say the actor carries it off, because I can see this being annoying for people. Uh, they they do it too much. I think they, they write it a few too many times, but the actor just delivers it, and he delivers it in a, a comedic way, but not in an overt I'm winking to the audience, laugh, laugh way that a lot of the comedy is done in Star Trek Discovery where they pause for you to laugh. This guy has a bit more range when it comes to that, but he was fun. And that chick, yeah, I noted her down too because short, sweet, simple, you got an idea of everything you need to know about her and this place of work that she has. Like, it isn't this swinging gorgeous fun time like there are people there who just work there because there's nothing else to do and it's just like it's a job and it made it relatable and it made it like Mm -hmm. discovery a part of it now is we're in uncharted territories of star trek and that's like an example minorly of that where in star trek you think a lot of the time everyone's like perfect and they love what they do and they're all great like i love science as spock Mm -hmm. said and Yet seeing they a character, found their purpose in life. Yet seeing a character who isn't a slave, somebody who isn't like a victim of oppression. They're just this is a job. Like I'm yeah. working minimum wage. Yeah. yeah, here's here are your winnings. Thank you for coming to the barge. You please have a drink at the bar. <laughs> like great. Congratulations. Everyone's a winner on Haas Mazaro's Karma Barge. Do you want a bag? Because there's more. Rachel, do you want to talk a, a bit more about, about Haas and what he's got going on and just his general demeanor? Because I, I think for most people, he was the bright spot guest star in this whole entire season. Like, I can't think of another guest star in this entire season that was as memorable as this guy. No, no. And he's very stereotypical of he's a sort of somewhat benevolent dictator of his barge. Yeah. He's a pirate with a heart of gold. Yeah. He's a broker. He knows what he's doing. He knows Book and Burnham. And a question that I have is, um, why is he pissed off at Book but not Burnham? (laughs) I think he's hot for Burnham. Is that is that it? I think he is. Okay. I think he res- no no he they do explain. Book pissed him off because uh he did all the trans oh, right. transworms yeah. things and Burnham hasn't done anything to him. Like Burnham in his world has just been a nice person. But Burnham would have helped him with the transworms. I think that was beforehand. See, this is where the timeline doesn't add up or because they're referencing the transworms that he stole in the, the... opening of season yeah. three. But how Which... does that make sense? Like, why would he still? Why would he still be mad with him if he has interacted with both him and Michael since? Since yes. So if they did it in the year together, then they did it together. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, if it was that first time. Why is he still pissed and why does Book say okay, I we got, left on an ugly note? I got an answer for that. 
I got an answer for that. I'm gonna push my mic away because I think you're gonna make no, me yell. No, I've got an answer for that. We've got a Star Trek writer here who can explain <laughs> it all. Steve, uh, as a Star Trek writer, what's the as what's a the Star thought, Trek writer? What's the thought process, buddy? Um, I would guess they just didn't care. Like, <laughs> I I've heard stories about their like. And it, it breaks my heart. Like you only have so many shots to do these shows, but like I've heard stories that their their writers' room has just turned over so many people, um, and that's one of those things you can't really control. Like, but I, I wish they had a consistent presence. Like, they're probably just pumping out these these scripts, and they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, this is this is part of these sorts of stories. Like, oh, we have some bad blood because of a bad deal. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It it it's it sucks. It sucks. But it's a minor uh, error there or weirdness there. But the that character, he's stereotypical. But like sometimes that's what you need. He's like fun. These types work. They're archetypes. They work for a reason. Star Trek Discovery. I uh, for my money, is too concerned with subverting. And going against the grain, and we ain't your daddy, Star Trek. We don't tell Star Trek stories like you like him anymore. But hey, look, we reference Voyager. Doesn't that make you feel better? It's like, and they do that with character things. So it's like, oh, Paul Stamets is the crabby uh, engineer guy who's really smart and egotistical. But there's like, but no, guys, he's also like all these other things. We can't just have types. He's like, very excited. You know what I liked to about Data for a walk in the flowers. Yeah, you know what I liked about Data. He was a he was an he was a he was an archetype. He was like the android character, and you go, yep, and as Steve has said, you knew it. You go, yep, I know what that character is, and you can expand yeah. upon that. But, like, Discovery isn't interested, so when we have characters like this guy, you smile and go, oh, thank God, because you remember mm-hmm. last season when we have had Osira, who should have been this type of character, but instead they were too concerned not giving you that, and so you got mm. nothing instead. Hence also the the, the, the evil pirate uh, 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 gang in Strange New Worlds, they were fun because they were also like, yay, we're getting the thing that we like. Like, things like, they work for a reason. Like, sometimes in yeah. media, we're too concerned with, oh, we need to change everything because it's oh so smart to invert it and twist it. But like, guys, Harry Mudd in the 60s worked for a reason because he was fun. I don't need him to be a serial killing psychopath in season mm. one. I don't need that. Even if Rain Wilson's a fun performance, I don't need him to be murdering people because guess what? Harry Mudd was just a comedy villain. That's what he was. Yeah, why not? We don't need to There's change a, it. I watch a, a fair amount of wrestling, professional wrestling, and, and one of the kind of lessons that I've taken away from that is you need to know everything about a wrestler just by them walking down to the ring. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all the time. And, and that's how, kind of how they work. Like speaking of carnivals, they would go town to town. You didn't have an opportunity to follow any storylines. So like once you walk to the ring, everyone needs to know exactly what you're all about. So they could decide, oh, am I going to boo you or am I going to think you're a hero? Yeah. Um, and with Haas, it's like, uh, like you said, um, uh, immediately you're like, I know what you're all about. And I'm I'm in, I'm all in. So oh, the title got <laughs> dropped. And hey, The Rock as an actor, he's made his career on that. Where we just see his face, and you go, yeah, I can. He, he yeah, I can trust him. He's a badass, but he seems like a nice guy. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's it. You like a picture can tell so much, but uh, Discovery doesn't always abide by that. Talking about fighting, uh, we get Owo 
deciding, hey, we need because they need money to buy this crap from our, our lovable criminal rogue. So uh, uh, we have Book and Tarka have to track down some cheating at this establishment on this barge, and Michael and Owo decide, hey. I am going to uh, fight for money. Owo is going to fight for money. And uh, Steve, this is also another reason I got you on because I know you're. I know you're into this. And often on your Babylon Five podcast, we, we we joke on ours as do you on yours about TKO, the fighting episode of, of Babylon Five. And yeah, of course. Yeah. Could you tell me as a Star Trek writer? And a sci-fi fan. Yes, official Star Trek writer. That's what is it? Correct. What is it about science fiction television that's obsessed with having these random boxing fighting episodes? Because Battlestar had one. Star Trek, yes. like pretty much every Star Trek's had one. Farscape has them. Like modern Star Trek still has them. Like, what's the deal? What's the deal? And how do you feel about them in general? And and this one here. I just I think it kind of comes from that pulp tradition where those old sci-fi magazines from way back in the day was kind of more action and um, action adventure, less uh, heady, cerebral um, examinations of humanity. It was like, oh, we're going to the Martian palace and I have to beat up the king or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just pulp stuff. I, I think that's in the DNA of sci-fi and no matter what, you can't escape from it. And I'm a big fan of that. Like, I really think it's just a lot of fun to have uh, a bare knuckles brawl in mm. the middle of your space opera. Uh, I think it's a ton of fun. And yeah, uh, did it work here? Eh, no, not really. Uh, <laughs> no. But I well, appreciate it. Like, whenever it comes up, I am generally, and I guess that kind of goes the same with sports too. Like, whenever they do a sports episode, and I think that that's a little different. I think that's the writers are like, you know, big uh, baseball fans or whatever. They're like, we got to get baseball on the show. Uh, but I, I have fun with that as well. Um, it kind of, and it also brings it down. Like, uh, not to get too into the concept, but like, you have a show. It's a, it's a million years in the future. There are all these aliens. This dude's saying things that make no sense. There's a, there's a, a blinking gambler. Um, <laughs> And it's just like, well, I know boxing, like I know MMA, I've seen it on TV. It kind of just like centers you a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I just find it so fascinating that, you know, a genre that's considered very nerdy will often have episodes that are very po-faced, like, like very sincerely serious, whether they are executed well, like... TKO with Walker Smith, or that episode of Voyager with Chakotay where he's boxing, or that episode of Battlestar Galactica where they're boxing, are all played with utmost sincerity and earnestness. And I just am like, who's this for? Like, because I'm a nerd and I'm not into any of those. Because, like, it's not my wheelhouse. But, like, again, I just find it so fascinating that it's still happening. Like, this is played po-face. Like, the oh wow Awoshikin is the only funny thing about it. Like Michael <laughs> being the Bach is the only humorous thing. The fight itself is played ever so seriously. And they have and Rachel, I was keen to get your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. You have this big guy mm-hmm. fighting this little woman, and yeah. they really don't comment on it for the longest time until randomly, when you know that the guy's gonna lose, he starts now he starts shit talking her, and she does the whole yeah. I'm gonna teach you a lesson because you underestimate me because I'm a little woman. And yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. And now they're all little women, and then Mo closes the book. <laughs> but how do you feel about that and the fight? It's stupid. <laughs> Is it? Do you think he was right? What was that? Sorry. Oh, do you think he? Because at the end, it's like, "Hey, you hustled us." Do you think it was a hustle, or do you think she just needed to get mad enough? I think she just needed to get mad enough. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the stakes needed to be higher in the script for her to win. Um, you've you've talked about many times on the pod, Rachel, how you are very much a roller of the eyes when it comes to these big properties trying to uh, uh, speechify and do feminism at you. Like when you saw Endgame, Avengers oh, Endgame, and oh, they're sure. like, it's yeah. it's girl time. <laughs> and you, 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 uh, you, you were the I... only person in the pack cinema that sighed, just went, oh. We, we, we saw it in IMAX and I, I groaned. You, and everyone went like, how rude. <laughs> like, uh, I guess you don't like feminism. I guess you don't like women. Uh, but uh, does this fall under that or not? Because to my eye, I was just like, oh, now we're getting the moment where Star Trek Discovery is like, guys, girls could do it too. No, she got to take down the big boy. It didn't cross over into performative feminism for me. It was still firmly just in the... This is stupid. <laughs> yeah, that, like, that, that's fair. It didn't intersect with those, those other things because it m- mattered more in that moment, at least to me, that she's feels out of control. It's not about her stature. It's about her reclaiming control over a situation, not dominating a man. One of the things that you're mentioning about the control, like being in control, is it's rather fascinating how it doesn't work because <laughs> it's rather I, fascinating I, how this is shit. I I. When she does the whole begging Michael, can I fight again, please? One more time, One please. One more time, and Michael's going, okay, I can't help but well, ridge. No, 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 you missed an important step, which is Michael gives a firm no, and Owo throws more of a tantrum, so oh, me, Burnham please. gives up. Yeah, because Burnham's, <laughs> a, great, like she's, Burnham's a great leader. Mm-hmm. It's a commanding officer of the whole <laughs> ship, and it's like, no, you're out of this uh, octagon right now. Yeah, no, please, please. And that's no, no. no. Here's please. what. I, no, here's what I was going to say. Here's I want to kick his butt. Here's please. what. I, here's what I was going to say though is, Owo is not a character we know well enough to let slip them begging like that and disobeying the commander. So, like, so for instance, if this was, she already did it with Saru. I mean, if if, if yeah, this is trip, if no, no, I was going to say, we got it. Gotta let yeah. me in, Captain. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Or, oh, or we, there's so many characters we can rattle this off with. Like, if this was Jodzia and Cisco, you'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fine, mm-hmm. because they're best friends. Yes. Or, or, Their dynamic allows for that. Yeah. It and- doesn't cross a line with the boundaries that those two characters have with each other. But when Owo does it in this series, I don't know her well enough and my I can't help but react with ridging up and saying how pathetic. Cuz to me when she's begging to keep fighting and not uh, listening to Michael and then Michael gives up and lets her fight, I I cringe and I go this is just so pathetic. Yeah. Like this is just so awkward and and, she loses- and pathetic. <laughs> Yeah. 
those last two bars of latinum, which I want to get to. Oh, yes. Rachel has done the most fun thing, which is look at f- the financials of this. Oh, okay. Uh, Rachel, Rachel, you sat down and said to me, Ryan, I think I kind of worked out how much money was spent yeah. in this. Oh, I um, love stuff like this. Yes, please. <laughs> because, so, um, uh, I, I, I did a little bit of research and some estimations, um, and on a particular website, I don't know. I don't know how they set this up or why they set this up, um, but you can measure like slips of gold latinum against the U.S. dollar. Mm-hmm. Oh, the very strong U.S. dollar. <laughs> strong, strong, strong. Strong, strong, strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's Burnham Betts two slips of latinum. Okay, two, two bars of latinum. Yes. Two bars, yeah. And each bar of latinum apparently has uh, like 2,000 slips in it. Uh-huh. Great. That's, so that's a lot. The equivalent of the two bars is about five, they were about 500 each. Okay. Um, wow. In the at current okay. market value. Okay. That's not so, that much. So, yeah, like... It doesn't feel like it, it, it feels like it should be more than that. Well. Um, so she puts two, her last two bars down at 45 to one. Mm-hmm. So. Great. She gave up almost 50 grand. Okay. Well, that's. <laughs> <laughs> for, for that little bit of isolinium. Okay. Well, that's, wow. You know what? That's a lot that, cheaper than I would expect right. isolinium oh, to sure. be. I would expect isolinium, you know, a thing that could make a super weapon, to be, I don't know, In over a, like a million. Also, like <laughs> a pure one? Yeah, yeah, not, not cut like, with stuff, like drugs. <laughs> and that, um, he says it should be at least three times what they've already given him. Yeah. What I find, okay. what all I right. think is funny is in our discussion, we've focused on all these little things like the fucking finances <laughs> because the actual story is not that engaging. Like it should be on the yeah. most primal level of this should be fun. Like Steve, you said to me in a message that this episode was a bit of a disappointment for you because they had a changeling in it and they did nothing with it. First time yeah. since DS9. Yeah. First time like, since oh, DS9. We get a change. And, it, and it's one of those things, yeah, it's like, oh, this mysterious person has been robbing the casino blind for months. It's like, uh, all we had to do was look for five minutes and we figured it out. Like, okay, cool. Uh, very, a very poor changeling. But yeah, like a changeling's in it. And I remember reading press at the time. It's like, oh, a connection to Deep Space Nine. And, well, does this show that anything about it? And it's like, no, they just. Uh, they were like, oh, an alien that can transform. All right. Yeah. Uh, I still think it's really neat when it turns into a triple and tries to roll yes. away. I, that was that was cool. Like, and I'm like, I wanted that scene to go on longer. That's they the could have done that whole episode, Mad Max Fury Road style, just uh, yeah. find a changeling. Oh, but that's a failure. That would actually be good. We well, the, can't well, do that's that. A failure. That's a failure of the changeling majorly is if you're not going to do what, what I think 
we all want, which is do some fucking follow-up to the aftermath of the Dominion War. Even if it's a thousand years later, at least let me know what the changelings are up to. But if I can't get that, at least show me what you've given me, which is, oh, a chase scene with a changeling where they're transforming while they're running away. And they transform like uh, once uh, or twice and yeah. then they get captured immediately and it's not A scene. Fun. Give me a proper yeah. scene. And we know Discovery can do this because as bad as I think that season three premiere episode was, it had that fun, rather inventive, and they dedicated that chase sequence where they keep teleporting to different locations. Mm-hmm. That was creative. That was Even fun. Even when they Burnham used gets re- high in that episode. Yeah, and they were creative and they were using the sci-fi premise to liven up an action sequence that we've seen a million times in this in this series. And here, you could have had a chase sequence which we've seen so many times, liven it up with one that's a shapeshifter who's transforming and they're going all around and how do you grab it? Like, maybe you grab it and they turn into, like, a slime and they yeah. slime on the ground. And do no. Book and Burnham have to team up? Yeah. Do they fall into old patterns and work together? See, we're writing the script for them. Because mm-hmm. you can see, and this is, uh, uh, I'm curious to know what you think about this, Steve. For me, my biggest complaint with Star Trek Discovery is they actually have an abundance of good ideas that they just let die. Yeah, I agree. One of the things that I kept writing down on like my little notes app during this episode was like, this could be the episode. Like, this one idea is enough. Like, uh, OO needs to be uh, a cage fighter. <laughs> That's enough. There it is. That yep. Uh, a, a chase to find a changeling. There's an idea. There, there's an episode. Uh, and a, a poker game for this very rare doomsday material. That's an episode, but instead they like, like you said, Ryan. It's like they have they're overwhelmed with ideas, and they just want to put everything in it. And so we get like a little taste of each of them, uh, but that's not very satisfying to anybody. Mm-hmm. They don't develop things, be it plots or yeah. characters. That's a great, yeah, Rachel. Like I think you hit it on the nail on the head. It's like this is a show about ideas. It's not about stories. It's not about characters. It's just about like a list of ideas, and and that's not good enough. Because if it is a show about ideas, then dedicate to the fucking ideas. Like there are some shows, there are some movies where I don't give a fuck about the characters, or I don't give a fuck about the theme. But I'm there because it's a cool idea. Like I'm watching the Netflix series Dark right now, time travel German sci-fi show. I don't care about any of those characters, but it's like got really great sci-fi time travel ideas and they're exploring them. That's what I'm there for. Star Trek Discovery, if you're not going to really care about the ideas, then stop giving us them because it just makes me angrier. It makes me (laughs) angrier that I can keep thinking of a version of this show that could be here instead of what you're giving me. Like, if you want to be a show about your themes, then just dedicate more to the themes. Make the ideas a little less and focus on that. But you don't, so it's it's frustrating me. so much more fun to jam-pack this episode full of shit and then tell you the themes again by a random character... Mm-hmm. talking to another character that we don't know about their emotional backstory. <laughs> they aren't capable of telling the story. 
like we keep circling around this. They can't tell the story. We as the audience know, like we know in our bones what we want from this, and they can't do it. So we get the poker scene, and it's the high stakes. It's the high stakes poker scene, and I want to know from I want to know from from you, Steve, since you're you're into these things. Is the poker scene in this? Is it supposed to be funny or is it supposed to be serious? Tell me. uh, Let's lean in on the musical cues that they provide. Um, What the fuck is going on? They they have like comedy music and a couple moments here. It's like, oh, this is a... Whimsical. Okay. This is supposed to be like a funny thing. Like, um, yeah. Like, what were they thinking? Well, well, I I argue otherwise though. You have the moments where Michael and Book are obviously cheating at this poker, and Michael's doing that very like, oh golly gee, wouldn't you know it? And the music is this swelling orchestral, dramatic, yes, serious, yeah. and it's like, okay, what am I supposed but to feel? Is it supposed to be funny or not? Angles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's but it's both. Like the scene is such a, it it makes you feel deeply un uneasy because. It it just tilts all the time. There's this comedy music. Michael is doing it, and then all of a sudden, I wrote down hokey emotional music. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's such dissonance happening in that scene. It's extraordinary. Like when the people lose, for some reason, the music switches to some light smacks on the key on the keys on the piano, and it's like. That's not the what? music you should be playing right also, now. That's the point that they should get called out for cheating, not after the boxing. Yeah. Right, because they're clearly cheating. Yeah. <laughs> they're very clearly cheating. Uh, and the fact that no one calls it out is insane, but the, the music is so important to a scene like this because as it's presented, you can make it work where they're obviously being silly and playing up the comedy of them cheating and getting their way to the top. And then when it's just Michael and Book, that's when you make it serious. We know that you can do that. I mean, Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels did that with their poker scenes very well, where they would have them be funny. And then when it was down to the final players, now it's serious. Yeah, the and now stakes we, and now, are up. And then when our main character loses, now you play Iggy Pop. You know, like, that's how you do it. But here, it's so... Them being overtly silly, but the music is... That discovery epic, serious, we are on a quest to find the Holy Grail and eat it. And The editing in this episode is particularly atrocious, and, even outside of this scene. And then when you get but to Michael and Book... It just Book, gets so bad in this one. And when you get to Michael and Book, now they're playing the hokey emotional music and the comedy music. And it's like, what are you doing? As, hey, look, we can make fun of the original series and its whimsical comedy music all we like. But it matched. <laughs> like like when Bones would tell a Why silly joke and yeah. then the music would make the little ding 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 ding. It's dated, but it it makes sense. I love it. I love it. Yes. <laughs> like no, it I makes it. sense. No when you no, get no. the comedy musical sting in it of like TOS at the end of an episode, it's pitch perfect. Yeah. Even if Bones tells a weird joke and he looks into the camera. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the best. That's the absolute best. When but it like, makes sense. I got the last word. <laughs> like, wow. Okay, I guess this is the show that breaks the fourth wall. Okay. Well, what do you know? I finally got the last word. Well, they make it very clear at the end that this is... And, and this is kind of them hand-holding the audience because it's not... 
uh, completely underlined and emboldened, but it's like, this is actually about their relationship. Like, <laughs> they're playing for the future of their uh, their relationship. Is it gonna is it gonna happen? Are they gonna break up because of this? And it's like, I don't care. <laughs> At that point, I was like, I've just seen a, a cage fight and a changeling chase and uh, a CGI dragon. Like, I'm, I just want to go to bed. Uh, what am I? What are we doing? Another thing? Like, okay. And it's the bizarre thing is you you are supposed to care about their relationship and then it makes you go okay guys you care about their relationship since you care you you know their relationship right and you you can think about their is it a healthy relationship and I, and that's why I go ah uh, nah, nah, no nah. michael michael treats him like a child and uh he is uh trying to create a super weapon that could destroy the galaxy so Nah. So when they're fighting for the remainder of their relationship, I'm not. I'm not rooting for them because I think their relationship. He's gone too far. And this is one of those things where, where you know, the show obviously doesn't want you to think like this, but I can't help but think like this because I'm so dead in the brain. I just go, look. If Rachel was doing this, I would just (laughs) let it go. Like I just like if Rachel was acting like book right now. Yeah, I would choose Starfleet over you because you're a fucking terrorist, Rachel. Yes! I'm so sorry. Like, I, I can't. I can't and connect to it. You would have seen it coming. And the part of why I can't connect to it is I have never been invested in their romance. Like, I think the actors have better chemistry than Michael and Ash Tyler, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that their relationship's any better. No. It's one of those things where at the end of this, I just go, you know what? Can we stop having Michael be in relationships with people? Because she's uh, a very toxic partner. And oh, you know what? I she's like... a toxic person. And you know what? I, I liked in old Star Trek that none of our captains had to have committed relationships no. all the time. Like, Cisco had... Uh, 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 it took what? a while. Yeah, yeah it took a while. Cassidy. And she wasn't... Yeah, and she wasn't a main character. She was a guest spot character who would come in every mm-hmm. now and then. And yeah. uh, that was fine. But, like, I wouldn't define Cisco for that season or two as, oh, he's in love and he's got a relationship. Well, that was just a part of it. She also was a, a terrorist. Yeah. And he had to deal with that. And it's like... That was handled much more maturely. Yeah, yeah, ex- yeah, yeah, 100%. And even with Janeway, you know, the first female captain s- series lead, they really held off romance stuff with her for a long time because she had a fiancé back home waiting for her. And also, like... Yeah, the dog man. Yeah, yeah, and we didn't need to give Janeway romance stories all the time just because she's the lady captain. And I, I look at Michael and I go, they're always giving Michael romance stuff, and it's always shits. Like it's just oh. garbage. Sorry, like, was that about Michael's romances or the whole show? Oh, Rachel, how could you say that? Didn't you see the look on her face when when Book did win, and he's now going to fly off with terrorist weaponry, and they're going to do shady shit? Yeah, and then they're making something that's even stronger than an atomic bomb. And then mm-hmm. the then the president who was the lawyer from Battlestar Galactica, uh she comes in. I I can't get past that either. It's like they get these good actors. They get these actors who are like you, you know very good. Like the 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 admirals, the guy from the mummy and and you got like oh, yeah, you, you, yeah. you know Doug Jones and you got so many people who are good actors. And then in this, and you just go, why are they not letting them do stuff? Like, I would say 
Star Trek Discovery is that Star Trek show. Maybe Enterprise fell in this camp too. I think Enterprise fell in this camp as well. Sorry to say this, Steve, where it's not reward it's not rewarding to its actors very much. Star Trek Enterprise was very no, guilty yeah. of that. Like, like poor, poor uh, Hoshi and poor even Scott Bakula wasn't allowed to do the things that you want Scott Bakula to do. And like Scott Bakula is like a yeah. charming guy, and then Enterprise was like, no, you're not allowed to be fun or likable. You're just an asshole. But like Star Trek Discovery, that's its big one of its big crimes is it's so undeserving of the talent it has because they don't let the actors do the do anything. Like you have this conference scene at the end where you have the president and the admiral and Michael and they're doing the whole, how did you let this happen when you knew yeah. this and this? And, and it I, broke my, yeah, it's like, and boor, they, it's, a boor, it's boring. Yeah. They, none of them look like they want to be there. <laughs> and they've got these big fucking TV screen walls behind them yeah. to, that's supposed to look like a conference room. And that and was I, definitely filmed on the same day uh, as the scene at the start. Oh, yeah. That's basically the exact same scene. Same, same thing, yeah. I mean, yeah. how do you feel about that stuff, Steve, when it comes to how Discovery uh, and its performance and its performers? Well, it's it, it's just so sad. I, I agree with you. It's like these characters don't have any character. It's kind of what we've been saying throughout this whole episode. Like, there's nothing to it. That one casino girl had more character than i would say 75 percent of the main characters Mm. and she had two lines um these people have nothing to do their whole thing is that they're good at their job like that's it and it it sucks to see especially the president like the president is a character in the show and she's like you can tell she's like part human part bajoran and part cardassian is that Mm mm-hmm I think that's kind right. Of, and it's like, it's such an interesting idea. Like I said, this is a show about ideas, but like there's no gas in the tank. It's like there's nothing to it. And every time the president's on the air, I didn't know she was um, from Battlestar Galactica. I mean, that makes sense. She was the lawyer for Boltar's trial, the one that was prosecuting him. Yeah, yeah. And that's a fantastic arc of episodes. Um, yeah. Yeah, and the, nothing to do. Same with Michael. And I love that actress. I love most of the cast. I think that everyone's really game. Um, the fact that David Cron- the fact that David Cronenberg is probably the best actor this season is yes. fucking wild because he's a director well, who doesn't act. That, it's like the only exception to this is um, Tarko, who's like at yeah. least he has a swagger. Yeah, like, we've mentioned that we're something. fans of we've we've mentioned a lot on our discussion season four that we like Tarka's performance even if the yes. character is very lacking because the actor seems invested and I've never seen he's him in anything fun. else. I've never seen him in anything else. I have, I know he's in the Expanse. I haven't really watched the Expanse, but like even in this episode where he's given basically nothing, he still embodies what you need. Like he embodies the I'm the arrogant scientist who says I'm going to be quiet but I can't shut my mouth. And you go, yeah, I, that's it has fun. To be this- yeah, I'm the smartest guy in the room, and I just can't help myself but but be that guy. And like I said, he has a swagger, and when he's on the screen, you're like, oh, uh, someone actually acting. Like, someone and actually with something to do. And I don't know who to blame. Like, he's, he's, I don't know. Yeah, he, and he plays it without being a mustache twirler 100%. Like, when he has to do these sincere moments, he almost makes you buy it. 
because that actor believes it. You know he believes it, but when Owoshukun is talking to him, I don't believe that that person believes these lines because it's like I have no context for them, even though they've yeah, been a character I, I since could... this first season. <laughs> Yeah, and I could see that from the actor's perspective. It's like, oh, where's my script this week? Oh, I'm in it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I guess I'm a cage fighter. Oh, okay. Uh, it's like where's my in on this? Like, like again, sorry, we don't like, have time. We got to. It's shoot. like Voyager again, where it was like uh, the guy who plays Chakotay. You could see exactly when he gave up because after oh, a point, yeah. they didn't know what to do with him. So he'll be like, oh, what's this? This week I'm a boxer. Oh, this week I'm uh, I'm a Native American again, and it's important. Like, you can see that. Like, this isn't unusual where, but it's so unusual because it's like most of the characters, where it's like these poor actors, I look at it because we get all this stuff about like the end where we get the DMA and you see all of these actors doing the motions of like, oh, we found out the big revelation, but there's no... There's no energy behind it. Like I think about, you know, we all both host Babylon Five discussions, uh, podcasts, and I always think about, like, say, when Sheridan finds out that they have a weapon that they can use against the shadows. There's excitement there, and you believe it because Bruce Boxlight has given material, and he's dedicated to it. But here, when they find out that it's a drilling thing that we could do this, the excitement comes from, hey, audience. We, the writers, have given you information to move the overarching plot forward, and that's it. Like, it's clinical. Yeah, it's it's very clinical. That's a great word for it. And it's it's there's no joy in it. It's it's just we need to get you coming back for another episode, um, please. I, yeah, and I think they they I think they want us to like the show more than um, the show actually likes itself. So, <laughs> about. It has themes, Steve. It has themes, yeah. It's a big capital T theme show. It's about connection. It's about family. If you just have one more shot in the ring, like, all right. It was multi-layered as well because there was this sense of loss and and this sense of anguish uh, because at a certain point, it's clear that there's nothing that, uh, that I can do. Rachel, I think it's time to get into the section of the show that everybody loves. Everybody loves this. The Huda, where we talk about who? Hugh Colbo? What's, what's, who, 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 who's he? Who's I that don't guy? know. Who's he? I don't know. He's a doctor? Oh, yeah. And a counselor? A therapist, yeah, yes. now, he, now he is. It took him four seasons to realize that he probably should have been the ship's counselor. He's in a relationship with a man? Yeah, his name's Paul Stamets. Remember that character? Remember when he had a character, <laughs> Paul? Now he's just a guy that says lines. It's very amusing. Oh, oh, <laughs> uh, I, this was the first time I noticed. Rachel, apparently you've noticed this even on the first watch and uh, previous episodes. Yeah. First time I've noticed actors have the creases on their ears, near their ears, of where they were wearing their masks. I noticed that with the oh, guy really? who plays Stamets. Okay. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you scroll through and have that look at that scene in the... Uh, the engineering room with him <laughs> and Michael and Saru, you can see it's yeah. indented in his hair uh, and okay. on his face. I've never mm-hmm. noticed that before. Like, I knew that they did this during COVID, obviously, and I knew of there course. was going to be yeah. limitations and certain things that you just know because, like, yeah. there's not many actors. They're filming it in a certain way. But I've never noticed the, the, the mask thing before. But you you have. You've also noticed that the minor red irritation around the ears. Mm-hmm. You've noticed that. I haven't. But this is the first time I noticed it. 
And he even had it, I think, in minorly in the scene with Hugh. So yep. I thought that was rather interesting. But uh, Hugh Colbert, Steve, what do you think about Hugh Colbert as a character? He's been he's apparently one of our main characters for this entire run of the show. Could you kind of mm-hmm. give us a speed run of your overall impressions on this guy? Uh, sure. Very handsome, great bod, um, big muscles. Love it. Uh, and he, I, I really love the uniform. I think that medical uniform uh, from season one of Disco might be like my favorite Starfleet uniform, at least top top five. Yeah, it's fine. Um, Anything that's not physical. But as far as that goes, I mean, obviously they they fridged him, which is a, a very strange thing. And <laughs> fucking weird. Uh, th- yep. Then they then I guess they were like, oh, that's actually like really bad. We shouldn't have done that. Um, so Don't worry, we'll do back. it again with gray. <laughs> we'll do yeah. it again with gray. <laughs> And then they bring him back, and it's like he—I—I I, I don't know what to say. Like, there's really nothing there. And it's—I like again. I'm watching this Carnival show, and I, I won't. Hmm. I won't. I think hmm. this might be a spoiler. But essentially, uh, someone um, there's a there's an episode. Someone dies, and then they they come back, and that has that changes their character for the rest of the show. Like As they it are would. haunted by this. Yeah, and. I feel like they just kind of the writers remember like, oh wait, this guy died. Um, oh yeah, that would that would change. A person. Should we talk about that? Uh, maybe in a couple episodes, we got to talk oh, about some bullshit yeah. that no one cares about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like as far as his character, um, I, I guess I'm glad they brought him back. Uh, I do like that they kind of make this queer family, and I think it's season three where him and Paul are like, we are going to really be there for this this new queer character uh, i thought that was really sweet mm. um but uh as far as his character yeah i i couldn't tell you i, I couldn't tell you what his, his is deal was. he are you a fan of the doctor characters in star trek oh my god there's some of my favorites where does he, is, mean, he, is he the the uh, well yeah is he the worst is he like the lowest to to be fair, that's like even Enterprise had one of the greatest doctors. Like the doctor category is um, it's stacked where the all stars go. Yeah. Well, here's here's my ranking of doctors because you know it's it's always a now now my top two always interchange. But I'm gonna go the Doctor from Voyager. I love him. Bones, Flox, Great. Bashir, Great. Um, Great. then Crusher, I guess, and uh, then I guess Hugh. Um, Am I forgetting another series in there? Uh, I know there's other ones. Like Picard doesn't really have a Doctor character. Uh, Lower Decks doesn't really seem that concerned with the Cat Doctor as much. Oh my god! But the Cat Doctor's so fun though. They're fun. I'll put them above Hugh, I guess. And then uh, I haven't seen Prodigy, so I don't know anything about it. Oh, the the Doctor in um, uh, Strange New Worlds, I think, is really. Oh yeah, I would put him equal to to Hugh for me because I need more from him. Like he's just he's been there. He's had more than Hugh, so I'll put him above Hugh. But uh, I need more from that dude. Other than I have a daughter, I need more of him being a doctor character. Like these are the things I like about the doctor characters. We all agree that Hugh sinks to the bottom. But Hugh is the worst. Yeah, I I would say it's. It used to be Crusher. Not really fair. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I again, it's a stretch. Now I fucking love Crusher. It's like the doctors. The doctors are like that's a. That's a category. Like these are the all stars, as far as I'm concerned. Like yeah, the the doctor from Voyager is, I I would say number one. 
He, essentially, yeah. he's just Fraser Crane, but like, who cares? That's why he's great. <laughs> no, he's just Bob. He's just Robert Picardo. That's what he is. He's just <laughs> Picardo doing whatever the fuck he likes. Like, what's that? I can sing in this? Awesome. <laughs> like, oh, well, I mean, that's a great example. Like, when Picardo becomes an opera star, it's like, I, I buy it. Yeah, when Oshikone been... becomes a cage fighter, it's like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rachel, what's happening with you? He's stressed out so he's cleaning and being rude to a dot (laughs) and I am deliberately speaking slowly because there's so little to say because he's in one scene yeah despite also having a spot in the recap Of the last. Well, why is he? Why is he stressing out? Because he feels like he failed because Book turned to Tarka. He thinks that he should have seen it coming and prevented it. That's because... an interesting idea. That could have been the episode. Give that some room. But we can't. But we can't because we need five different casino plots. Yeah. <laughs> we can't. We can't. We're we doing can't. other things. We can't do that. We can't. We, you know, we can't do that. Uh, uh, here's here's what I'll say about it. Because this is very, it's not that novel of an idea. Because we've seen this in any Doctor show. Or any show with a Doctor character. Now, 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 stop me if you've heard this one before. The Doctor is overwhelmed maybe even spirals out because they realize that they can't fix everything. They can't heal everyone. They can't save everyone. But they feel the burden of that because that's their job. My God, what's that? Dr. Franklin from Babylon 5's calling me up right now because that's his fucking character. Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Dr. House from House MD. Like, these are tried and true. Like... That's why it's you go, expected. you want an episode of this because Plot. you know what it is because there's the story. Hugh Colber feels responsible for one of his patients, one of his clients or whatever book is, turning to this instead of seeking help. He thinks it's his fault because he himself has problems. My God, that's like the Sopranos even, for fuck's yeah. sake. With his psychiatrist. Yeah. Like, there's a whole, like, one of the greatest things about the Sopranos is his psychiatrist is a character. Where we have stuff about her and how she feels about having him as a client. It's like, you can do something here, but they're not interested. No. Yeah, it's, they just want to hit on it. And just kind of like, again, just they, they have a million things. You just get a little taste of each. It's like, Hugh is guilty. Don't worry about it. We'll go walking in the flowers. Like, all right, I guess that's it. for. And, and, and do we see that? Plot? We want you no, to <laughs> know that we had an idea. We, we had an idea. And mm. that that's enough, right? I, we I, don't I... need to see the flower scene. We don't need to see them bonding. Why don't they show us things, Steve? Like, oh. why don't they give us this? Why don't they show Hugh and Paul walking through the flowers? Why don't they show us this? That's a great question. And as an official Star Trek writer, I, I wish I had an answer for it. <laughs> <laughs> because I ripped my hair out going... 
I don't believe in Paul and Hugh's relationship ever because they never spend time on it. You may get those one or two scenes where they talk about, like, Hugh, you're overworking yourself, and Paul, you're overworking yourself, and then they give each other a little peck, a little kiss, and then that's it. I want to see them do cute things. I want to see them walk through the flowers. I want to see them go on dates. I want to see them feel real. I want to see a whole storyline of Hugh Colber feeling the massive weight of all of this, but we can't because we don't have time because we've got to have a boxing match with Owo, a character that is not important to this show. I would love, I would love for there to be a out and out romantic scene with Hugh and Paul. I'd love it. I'd love it. Yeah. But they're cowards. Yeah. We can't well, have thing, we yeah. can't have a healthy romance between Grey and Adira or Paul and Hugh because we're too busy showing an unhealthy one between Ash Tyler and Michael Burnham or Michael Burnham and Book. There's or... lots of relationships in this show, but there is very little to no romance. Look, look, Rachel, in season one, we couldn't we, we had one sex scene that we could use and we decided it would be Klingon rape. <laughs> Instead of, like, consensual sex between two characters you actually care about. Because that's this show. They have weird priorities when it comes to, like, human relationships. Because, again, like... Yeah, because that's a character. Like, to have characters that kind of spark together, you need characters who have a thing. Have a character. You need to have characters to have... Yeah, like, when when Jadzia and Worf got together, it's like, you knew these characters for so many years, and even if you didn't, you could figure it out in Mm. a couple minutes, where it's like, Worf is the stick in the mud, and Jadzia is this, like, free spirit. Like, Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be together, and yet... It works. It works. Opposites attract. Yeah. Uh, The Doctor and Seven of Nine, they have actually quite a lot in common. You know, they're both discovering what it is to be human, and he's further along in his journey, and they're both funny sure. characters, but also very Chakotay serious and characters. Seven of Nine, of course. Uh, of course, you saw that coming a mile away. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. And of, uh, and of <laughs> course, Kirk and Spock, obviously. Yeah, and of course, that one episode where it was Archer and T'Pol, remember? That one episode, Twilight, <laughs> where you got, like, that? fucked up brain? <laughs> And it was like, hey, guys, maybe this. And then everybody said no. And they're like, okay. No, 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 no. That is one of the <laughs> highest rated handsome, episodes please. of Enterprise. Bashir, Bashir and Eddie Woman in season one. <laughs> He's such a little creep. But no, it's... I just... We do the Hudar Hugh segment because it's befuddling to me and to you, Rachel, that one of our main characters, like, he's one of the main ensembles in the modern age of Star Trek, still fall into the trappings that old Star Trek did. He's the Harry Kim. He's the Mayweather. Like, he's that guy that the writers don't want to do anything with. But at least with Harry Kim, and at least with Mayweather, early on, you could tell that they wanted to do something with them, and then they gave up Mm. over time. Hugh Culper never interested and i don't know why they've done more with paul yeah oh yeah because they're far more interested in that and again well, they didn't i think kill paul yeah um uh, with you i also think like, we've said this many times this era of star trek they have to have the certain types but they're not interested so oh Hugh is the Doctor, but in none of these modern Star Trek shows really do they want to do stuff with the Doctor character, like medical episodes. We don't get those. Not really. 
They're not interested in those. Well, but lower they... decks, I think, is the exception, just because Tendi is like yeah. in the med. Uh, med but there's so many episodes lab. in season one where mm-hmm. there's nothing relating to that. She's just also there with other characters, and she may bring it up. Like you know, they they further that over time, but like you know, you aren't going to get an episode in modern Star Trek like the one where the Doctor had to grapple with whether or not he should use that Cardassian scientist's medical research. No, we're never going to have those episodes Even because they don't they care. Get the medical virus episode in Strange New Worlds. It it doesn't feel the same. No, it's a number one episode. Yeah. It's not yeah, about one... the Doctors having to deal with anything. Like, it's very bizarre, and so... Yeah, that's a, kind of a low point, yeah. That's Hugh. That's Hugh. <laughs> Hugh's a low point. That's... No, no, that's him in the episode. We're and like, he's so good. Else. Like, I, I got nothing. As, like, Wilson... Um, Wilson Cruz is charming. He, he's a charming, uh, lovable guy. Like, I see behind... Th- th- this is what kills me, and uh, I don't want to veer too off topic, but... Uh, I'm a huge fan of Siskel and Ebert. Like those guys are, I, I will watch Siskel and Ebert videos for like hours. And Gene Siskel had a, uh, a rating system for himself, which was what is more interesting seeing all of the actors eating lunch and swapping stories and having fun together or the movie that they're in together. And if the eating lunch is more interesting then the movie is not good. Mm. And whenever I see behind the scenes videos, these guys are having a ball. Like they, they love hanging out with each other. Uh, Wilson Cruz is like, uh, is, is showing everyone around on Instagram live or whatever. And he, he seems like, like he's like the leader of the group. Every time I yeah, see behind and, the scenes, it seems like he's like the head guy of this cast. Play, it's like yeah. too bad. You're not in the show. They play D and D together. Like they, they, they are clearly very much a big like happy crew mm-hmm. and then it, bonded. Like, where is it like where is it on the screen like yeah and you get the guy uh, who played ash tyler he's outside not allowed to come in he's just crying in the rain yeah <laughs> he's like i guess i'll do more oh, toasted well, london i think <laughs> yeah, that a part of that is that we we really know from what what we've been given and what we've been told that there is not that camaraderie in the writer's room. Seems that way. Yeah. No, but also... The, the actors like each other. They work together the best that they can, but what they're being given... I all I, Yeah, all I'll say is I can't... And I don't know if this will happen because the landscape has changed. Like, when, it, when we go to conventions, we can see... Jonathan Frakes and Brent Spiner talk fucking massive shit about the writers and the production and all of that of TNG. I don't know if we'll ever get that with Discovery. Like, will we in 15 years get uh, Wilson Cruz talking about how he would ask them to give him stuff and they wouldn't? I don't know. I always think about that because, like, he uh, he especially, that's why we do the Hudar. He especially, like, he's not an unknown actor. He's done no. things. And, I mean, he had a Brian Fuller connection. He was in Pushing Daisy's last episode. And uh, so I'm probably guessing that's also why he got on here. But, like, he's the one main cast member where they routinely give him nothing. And I and I, I can't imagine, like, how that feels as an actor. Like, when they do give him stuff as well, it's, like, it's so isolated from everything else. It's just... This scene could have happened yeah. at any point oh, oh, during the episode. No, during the se- season. You could have put this in anywhere where he feels guilt about book. You wouldn't have to change too much. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. at any point in the next <laughs> couple of episodes, it would work. Yeah. All right. I'm going to rate this episode. Uh, now, f- we have yet to rate any episode this season positively. Okay. Yeah. We, we have yet Great. to give a yum yum to anything. Is this going to be the one, Ryan? Do Is, it this it? Is this it? Is this it? I have to give it a yum. Yum. Just because it has the bits and the ingredients and the format of something that should work and something I could like isn't enough because they don't do it. No. They they have the hue moment 35 minutes in and it's like half the episode's gone and it's like and we've only spent five minutes on on the casino barge too much time is wasted too much is thrown away not enough is fulfilled rachel what about you yum being bad yum yum being good i also contemplated giving it a pity yum yum uh but no it's a yum. yum. Yeah, this is a terrible episode. I'm giving it a yum. yum. Uh, Steve, could you please tell Rachel and I what we will be watching and talking about next time on Star Trek Discovery? All right. Season four, episode nine, Rubicon. Captain Burnham and the USS Discovery race to stop Book and Tarka from launching a rogue plan that could inadvertently endanger the galaxy. What's the rating on that one? Do we know? Uh, rating here, out of 10, it's 5.6 with 1.4 thousand votes. So was that higher or lower than this one? <laughs> I always uh, need to see. remember. <laughs> 5.6, all in, 5.5. Oh, good. We're going, we're, we're going up. Supposed to be better, yeah. Um, I I can't believe that season four, there's no episode that's a se- like gets to a seven. Like at minimum, they're all like six and below. It's it's yeah. it's bizarre. The series as a whole is hitting uh, like even I know, seven. I know people. Are, I know average. people review bomb these shows. I understand that, but even with season four, it came at a period where nobody was interested in watching Discovery, which is a bad time. They advertised it poorly. They pulled it out of the international market distribution wise. And even oh, the people yeah. who like the show barely talk about season four. Like people keep talking about season three. It's like mm. season three was interesting or it was stupid or the burn. Nobody talks about season four. So it having these low ratings isn't a surprise to me because even if there are people who love this show, they, they probably just forget to rate it because they forgot that they watched it. Like it's very forgettable this season. It's, I, it's it, very, you know, it, it lets you down a little bit too, I think. Cause like, and this is something that modern Trek happens all the time where they're like, they end one story and they're like, finally, we're going to have this kind of story for you next time around. <laughs> and then, and they, then do- they don't. We'll be better next time. Three, we'll do three, Star Trek what next I remember, time. ends with them being like, well, the Federation is, uh, it, it's not thriving, but we're surviving and we're in a new, uh, we're in a new century or whatever. And like, we're going to have to rebuild the Federation. We're going to deliver uh, Dilithium to all of these new places and we'll trek yeah. across the stars. Yeah, and, and like maybe they hate us because of, like, yeah, it's new aliens, new politi- like new politics, new whatever. Or maybe and, old and aliens just, who we haven't seen in a while, like the yeah. changelings. <laughs> like, what, what are the Klingons up to this, this far in the future? Like, I would love to know. Um, is, but is, it, instead is it weird we get, that uh, we haven't seen the Klingons since, like, season two of Discovery? Yeah, they left them uh, behind. We yeah, seen I them. think that 
they've done their damage to the the, the makeup. They need to decide the makeup uh, proper. So that's why we get Worf in season three of Picard, where he looks normal. Yeah, <laughs> like, they had to wait a few uh, years to let that wound heal. <laughs> Because that yeah. was a big so, warning sign. I think, yeah, it's just like, it's so forgettable because they hyped you up and then they let you down and it's just like, okay, well, I guess I'm just yeah. done. And so. I, would say, I would say, you know, they had a lot of unfortunate stuff happening. You know, obviously the pandemic didn't help, but they also dug their own graves. Like, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, they lie. You know, they just straight up lie. They told you we aren't going to have a villain this season enters Tarka as villain this season. It's like, okay, well, you're lying. And then, hey guys, you're going to be able to see uh, uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 4 almost a year after the Americans get to see it if you're overseas. Fuck you. And it's like, Mm -hmm. even if you have Paramount Plus already, Australia, fuck you. You don't get to get it until much later for some reason. It's like, well, that's not motivating. It's not motivating. It's not a motivating season to watch. But we'll be keep we'll we'll keep talking about it, Rachel. Uh, yes, you will continue to make me suffer. But Steve, you don't. You get yes, to return to your I own podcast out. unless you want to be I the new host me. with us. No, I'm good. I'm good. I've, <laughs> I've seen enough. Talk to me if you go through Enterprise. We'll see. But uh, I'm done with Disco for a while. We'll do we'll, if we do season three of Picard. You can be our third host. Uh, uh you know, I think I might be busy. I, I haven't seen season two. I, I lied earlier. I said I watched all of Star Trek. I did not watch season two of Picard. How I could just, you not? I, How could you I not? So you came back. Bless, blessed be, blessed be. You like, came back. Season so did one the was Borg. so. It made me so. Uh, season I, I, two I watched it. Season two won't die. Yeah, Q Q just gives up. <laughs> John Delancey yeah. cashes his final yeah, paycheck. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'll see you on Lower Decks when I come back for uh, a couple cameos. You know what's uh, really embarrassing? We just gave up on Lower Decks. We were like, well, what's season two? And then oh, we watched a couple, love, and then we just stopped watching Decks. because it was like, oh, whatever. I've seen I this animated it so show. Much. It's called Solar Opposites or Archer or Rick and Morty or Deep Space oh, 69. Deep Space 69. Um, I love it so much. No, it's I'm not too bad. Fan. If you know, it's one of those ones it's where I'm not, sure when it's, it's finished, I will give it a go over proper. But at this moment, I'm like, I have the other Star Treks to make me miserable. Yeah, uh, Steve, where can people find you and your podcast on the internet? Uh, yeah, you could find us. We are the last best Babylon 5 podcast, um, at last best B5 on Twitter and Instagram. We are currently. I don't know when this is going to come out, but we're kind of wrapping up season uh, three of, of Babylon 5. Very, very good season um, so far. We're having a lot of fun. And yeah, you could find me. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter, S.A. Winchell. And uh, go ahead and give that uh, follow request button a click and we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll take the gamble and see what happens. On, yeah, take the gamble and see what happens. On yeah, Spooky Steve's Twitter, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, so uh, we can be found on all of your social medias as well under Yum Yum Pod or Yum Yum Podcast. We post there regularly. You can interact with us, shoot us a message. You can email us over at yumyumpod at gmail.com. Uh, we have our Patreon, where we have an abundance of content, as well as a group Discord that you get to be a part of. We are currently going through space above and beyond. And uh, what an interesting series that is. I've seen it before. Rachel, 
you have never seen space above and beyond before. And there are some familiar faces that show up in this series. Uh, some from Seinfeld, some from Star Trek, some from Battle Babylon 5. And if you're a big, and I would say this, if you're a big Battlestar Galactica fan of that of the reboot, you definitely need to give Space Above and Beyond a watch because it was doing a lot of these things like a decade mm. beforehand. Rather interesting Ron little Moore. series. So uh, we, we are going through that. And uh, yeah, it's all in the description below. Make sure to rate and review us on whatever podcast hosting site allows you to do so. We would like it. It would be nice. We would very much appreciate it. There Please. would be a smile on my face. You won't see it, but you'll feel it when I talk. But uh Hey, it goes uh, one review goes a long way. Uh, one review. You got to do it. Folks, you got to do way. it. You got to do it. You got to do it. Rachel's now got prayer pose happening. She's praying like, please give us <laughs> yum yum ratings and reviews. Uh, but that is it, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us, for coming on to talk about Discovery. I know that you were super excited. You kept messaging me saying, thank you. Thank you <laughs> thank so you, thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, I mean, it's better than the long dark, so at least there's that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> come on, sad. man. That episode had fucking Dwight Schultz in it. <laughs> come on. It had broccoli in it. It had come broccoli on. in it, yeah. It had old broccoli. I know, but yeah, honestly, thank you. I, I, it was fun to talk about Star Trek after talking about nothing but Babylon 5 for two years, so... <laughs> Boo-hoo, boo-hoo, Steve, boo-hoo. I have to talk about a good show, Babylon 5, boo-hoo. That treats its female characters much better. It doesn't put him in skimpy cat suits, boo-hoo. Wee, wee, wee. Ooh, cat suits on Babylon 5. I hope they put Sheridan in a cat suit. Be- they, they don't put them in cat suits on B5. They do they do that for, for Crusade, I think. But uh, that's Ooh. a story for another time. That's, yeah, for another podcast. Which I think was a line said in this episode, by the way. I swear somebody said in this episode, I think it was Michael when she was referring to something to Owo. She said, that's a right story... Yeah, that's a story for another time. Oh, don't make me think about those Star Wars movies when you say that. When it's like uh, Mars Kanata, it's like, how do you have Luke's lightsaber? Oh, that's a story for another oh, time. Oh, and we never heard that. And uh, well, that's the end for us. Until next time, yumlings. Remember, yum yum is in your soul and your blood. <laughs>